0: What got most of my uh, eyeballs on the television was a so wonderful Australian. Golf Open um, went right down to the playoff and I know a man he was either there or he would have been engrossed in it. Our great golf analyst Bruce Young who I'm very pleased to see he's going to come back over for the New Zealand Open down in Queenstown which will be fantastic and he he just brings so much colour and experience and knowledge to the game of golf for our viewers here. Bruce, um, before we talk about the Australian Open actually, just touching on that New Zealand Open. It's our biggest tournament here, Bruce. We love it. What do you like so much about the event down in Queenstown?
1: Uh, Good morning or good afternoon to you, staff. I'm uh, I'm back on the Gold Coast. I was down in Sydney over the weekend. But, uh, look, I think the New Zealand Open is now established as probably the third flagship event on the PGA Tour of Australasia behind the Australian Open, the PGA Championship, It really has established a position amongst the players uh, especially who love the event I think it's the venue I think it's the uh, the golf course the fact that they can play uh, it's the format and a lot of play I mean when they first went to a pro-am style format for the New Zealand Open about ten years ago I think there are a lot that were quite skeptical about the whole arrangement but it's really proven itself to be a success and I think what it's done is really it's elevated the standing of the New Zealand Open and elevated the prize money because that format allows the tournament to generate more prize money than ever before and it was on its, it was struggling prior to going down to Queenstown as we all know and it really has uh, had a new life moving down there so I think the venue the the golf course uh, I think the tournament organisation is outstanding and to a man, the guys that I speak to um, everybody wants to get to Queenstown. Those that are mm. not tied up are playing another tournament somewhere else, that is. And so uh, we'll we'll have a pretty good field down there. And once again, I'm sure a very successful tournament.
0: Does it does it sit in the right place in the calendar, Bruce?
1: Well, that's one of the biggest problems. Um, and you know, scheduling is a very very difficult thing for tournament organisers, for the PGA Tour of Australasia. Just getting that balance right. Where where should it be? But I mean, given the fact that it's driven to a large extent, the commercial success of it is driven to a large extent by the corporate world now, given its Pro-Am format, uh, I think that needs to be a consideration. You couldn't probably have it in the next couple of weeks, for example, because most of the corporate world are winding down for Christmas and thinking of other things and playing in a golf tournament. So there are a number of considerations when it comes to finding the right place in the schedule for it. But uh, I think that its success over the last few years since moving to Queenstown and having that position at the end of February, early March tells the story of whilst we might not always get the sort of strength of fields that we had over the last couple of weeks in Australia, it's still a, an outstanding event with and, and provides plenty of
0: interest for New Zealand golf fans yeah a lot of local flavour as well Um, Mm. fantastic Australian Open which uh, two playoff holes between Hoshino and Neiman Neiman with eagle putts on both of the playoff holes which was quite uh, incredible Um, I think a a huge feat for Neiman given that he'd finished his regular round so long ago before he got to play the playoff that's some mental fortitude to go on and win the playoff
1: yeah, very much so. I think he's, I was just looking at his stats uh, when I was doing the piece on him overnight and he's missed. Um, he's uh, he's played in three playoffs before and I think he's lost them all. So there was probably a bit of scar tissue there in that regard. But you're right. I think it was uh, 90 minutes or even more than 90 minutes, probably nearly two hours that he was waiting prior to to the uh, final group finishing after his round of 66. On what was a really demanding day yesterday, it got very breezy after the last group had played about three or four holes. It started to get really windy and got increasingly strong winds throughout the course of the afternoon. And that was a demanding golf course. It's a fabulous golf course, the Australian Golf Club, a golf course that I've always really loved. And uh, for Neiman to shoot 66 in the last round and come from a fair way off the pace, uh, and with so many guys and with a chance, Adam Scott got to the lead at one stage, then took a triple bogey. Min Woo Lee has been such a standout over the last couple of weeks, he was obviously leading into the final round and looking like he was going to go on with it, but he ended up finishing a couple of shots behind. And Rikuo Hoshino, who had finished second to Lee up at the PGA Championship, really gave a good side, didn't he? He's just uh, an outstanding player, and what a, a quality individual he is too. Uh, but he's uh, finished run, uh, finishing runner-up on two consecutive occasions. He a D, he's a DP World Tour player in this event, and the Australian PGA Championship the week before were both part of the DP World Tour. So he's made a very good start to his season.
0: Wu Lee, <clears throat> I wanted to touch on him actually Bruce, <clears throat> I love the effervescence of youth around this guy, I hope he never loses it, he's sort of an Aussie version of the Ian Poulters and the guys with a little bit of character and how he involved the fans last week and again um, that paid dividends trying to get him across the line <laughs> but aside of all, all of those antics and how he, how he involves the crowd, what a wonderful ball striker he is.
1: Yeah, look, you're exactly right. I mean, it's not only really the quality of the scoring that attracts a great fan base to Minwoo Lee, but it's the manner that he goes about it. He's an aggressive player. Uh, you mentioned Ian Poulter. I, I think Minwoo Lee engages and embraces people a little bit more than mm. Ian Poulter. He just seems to have gone to another level with his fan engagement over the last couple of weeks. Uh, he's And he's a great social media person. Not that that's necessarily the greatest thing in life, but he, he really does... Uh, work the social media process pretty well and he's got a huge fan base here and on the golf course and one of the things that I saw about the Australian Open yesterday despite this desire or decision to go to a multiple um, championship at the one venue on the one week with the ladies and the disabled um, uh, players playing for the, their respective championships uh, when that was first uh, introduced last year, there were a lot of detractors, and I'm probably more of a traditionalist, and I probably lean a little bit the way of having separate Australian Opens, but you, the numbers don't lie, staff. You couldn't help but be um, uh, taken by the amount of people that turned up to watch not only Min Wu Lee, but her sister um, Min Lee was in the women's event, and she got narrowly beaten herself. But most of Australia's leading players were in the field, apart from perhaps Jason Day. So I think they were all there to see their Australians' leading players playing uh, their two flagship events. And. Uh, and they, and they weren't let down for sure. And the crowds, as I said, were simply outstanding yesterday.
0: You talked about the women's side of the draw. I was going to mention that Ashley Buai, the South African, did, almost did everything she could to not win that thing, shooting a final <laughs> round 75. She had a monster lead. Minji Lee, she had the spinnaker up. She had the crowd behind her. That was another grandstand finish.
1: Yeah, I was. In fact, Minger Lee was the only player amongst the ladies' field to break seventy yesterday. She shot sixty nine and that allowed her to make some very quick ground on Ashley Buhai who, as you said, shot seventy five. But Buhai is a a quality player, not only was she the defending champion uh, yesterday, but she was also she's also won the uh, AIG Women's Open Championship, the Women's British Open, if you like. So she's uh, and and I remember her coming to the Gold Coast about fifteen, sixteen years ago as a as a youngster. She she was a a prodigy from South Africa. She won the South African Open when she was a very young person, and she's always been considered a great talent. But she's only really emerged as a world class player over the last couple of years or so. Mm. But despite the fact that she shot seventy five, and as you said, nearly gave it away. It was a a successful defence, and uh, she managed to get the job done in the end, despite Minjili putting the utmost pressure on her.
0: Yeah, just tell me about the logistics of getting both these tournaments at the one venue. Um, Must have been a tough thing.
1: Well, they play the first two rounds at two venues. The Lakes mm. Golf Club is, right, is adjacent to the Australian Golf Club. So that allows them to get a full field for, well, not a totally full field. There's only, I think, a 12 of the disabled players were in. They played 54 holes. But it allows um, full fields for both the men and the women to play over the first two rounds. Then they, then they make a cut. And then they had a double tee start yesterday. And one of the most bizarre things developing yesterday was that Adam Scott, who had started a long way back and... Um, and uh, started on the 10th tee, the first group off the 10th tee yesterday. Uh, He was making a hell of a move and got to the lead through about 14 holes of his round. It would have been amazing to see if he had have gone on with it. He took a triple bogey soon after and really lost the plot, or uh, maybe a double bogey, I think, at his 16th hole. and or was it a triple, whatever it was, he, he dropped out of contention. But it would have been amazing to see Staff if he had, been, had have gone on to finish his tournament at the ninth hole of the golf course <laughs> and a long way ahead of the final group. It would have been a rather strange feeling to see that situation happen. So look, there's a number of things still to be tweaked in terms of getting this format right. But I think, and as I said before, my, I'm more of a traditionalist. I would prefer in some ways to see the separation of the events but at the end of it all it becomes a logistics issue it becomes a cost efficiency issue mm. and I think the numbers that turned up at the Australian Golf Club yesterday and right over the weekend tell the story that this is successful as far as the Australian golfing public are concerned and at the end of it all that's probably all that matters.
0: And finally Bruce, talking to Bruce Young our golf analyst out of Australia Tiger Woods came back in the weekend, sponsors, golf organisers, brands um, irrespective of a score they'll be delighted he's back
1: I think so and look he, he, he did well and he? he's, he's an amazing animal in so many respects the fact that he's been able to come back and, and play as well as he did I know you know he probably wasn't quite up to his expectations I don't know what his expectations were but it's just good to have him back around the game he generates so much, much publicity irrespective of how he's playing so yeah good to see him back he's talking about playing one event per month next year next season uh, and just pacing himself And clearly he's still uh, bothered and uh, handicapped to a large extent by the injuries that he's still carrying from that car crash. But any time Tiger Woods is in the field, you know you're going to get a hell of a lot of publicity.
0: Yes, you are. All right, Brucey, thanks so much for chatting to us. Um, We will link up again before too long.
1: Okay. All right. Cheers, Steph. Thanks.